You're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy. This podcast is recorded at the Francis Roy office in Valparaiso, Florida, where we invite our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors to candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. Let's get started. Hi, you guys are listening to Hello Francis. I'm Chantel, your host, and it's me and Hill today. Hey, guys. We, Hill and I have been reading a book together, not really together, we've been reading it separately, <laughs> but with the intention of coming together to talk about it, it's a really great book that I will say we picked up at Ollie's Bargain Mart, which is my favorite place to get books. I know. Per usual, Chantel came across it and was like, Hill, we need to go to Ollie's and you need to read this Herding Tigers book. And I said, well, duh, okay. And we immediately went over there and sure enough, there it was. Ollie's has some secretly great books. I think we got it for $3. Yeah. Ollie's is like the place <laughs> to get books for me. I don't know. There was even great cookbooks. Remember you said, oh my gosh, here's a Food 52 cookbook. Right. Those things. I have like four Food 52 cookbooks yeah. and they are expensive. <laughs> and I think that one was $5. So pricey. So anyways, every now and then we go and just kind of peruse. We do a shelf check as Greg calls it and try to see what's going on. And we came across this really great book, Todd Henry's book, Herding Tigers. And... The whole premise of this book is basically leaders for specifically for creative people and creative teams, which has been our experience. You know, it's a bit unique, although all teams are different, whether they're innately creative or not. But there is a certain type of, I don't know, leadership that is required for creativity. And we'll talk through that a little bit. But this was just, I thought, a very insightful book and a workbook online. Did you see this? I did not see that. That's fantastic. So That's I, awesome. I downloaded the workbook and we'll make this available too because it was just like a free download. And I've not worked through the entire thing. I think I've done up to chapter five in the workbook. Oh, but nice. It was really, I, I think it's really good. And there were some key takeaways. There, were, you know, I wrote a blog. I know Hill's going to contribute some to that as well. And then we're going to kick that out. But I don't know. What were some of your favorite like initially, just in the beginning. Initially, in the beginning, I loved there was a, there was a section about uh, differentiating on your team who your builders yes. are and who your fixers are and who your optimizers are. Okay, so I had that down as a note too, like yeah. as team dynamics, mm-hmm. and I did that in the workbook. I thought that was pretty cool. I wasn't. Yeah. I I had never obviously I'd never thought about that. I had never read that before, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty cool. It was good. There was a lot. I think the, the main thing that stuck out to me in the beginning Mm -hmm. was just, honestly, it was more like, okay, these are some things that I need to do, but Mm -hmm. creatives need stability and challenge. Mm -hmm. And you don't really think about the stability so much because I think the, the, the hustle culture, the, you know, side hustle, uh, specifically the side hustle culture, everybody wanting to remote work, like all of this kind of stuff gives you the premise, the perception that people don't necessarily need stability. They want flexibility, Mm -hmm. but not everybody is like that. And creatives really need that structure in order to feel supported in the challenge measure. Mm -hmm. And so that was a huge takeaway for me. I agree. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a, and reading it, it is a fine balance. There's no exact measurement or exact way, Mm -hmm. but it is finding and being aware that as much as we need flexibility, we need the stability of clear direction. Right. 
So have the flexibility in the creativity piece of, okay, we trust each other enough to go full steam ahead on my ideas for this project. Right. But then direction enough to know, okay, this is kind of where we need to go and it should be something like this as an end product. Right. I think that we do that very well here, mm -hmm. but there, there was some like stuff that I felt like we could work on. And mm -hmm. so for me, two of the things that I want to focus on this year that kind of came from this book was success measurement. So the scoreboard and the dashboard development. Mm -hmm. And I try to be very transparent about my leadership philosophy and constantly like consistently modeling that, but I don't know that I do it necessarily as much with some of the newer members on our team. So mm -hmm. that's something that I really want to work on because like you were saying, I think that support really allows people to take risks and we take risks a lot in our yes, environment. We do. One of my favorite parts of this whole book, and I have it here in two places, is as a leader of the team, you're holding a loaded gun, put it away. Mm -hmm. I read that. That yeah. like was like yes, because mm -hmm. I'm always like pew pew, you know, <laughs> <laughs> guns blazing. But I love mm -hmm. that Todd Henry says your team recognizes that you have the ability to make its work life either amazing or miserable. If you're not careful with how you wield your authority, you can easily squelch team members' willingness to speak their minds during disagreements or to share ideas that might seem un unsafe. This means they might leave their most creative work on the table. Yes. And I, I really, I love that too. And mm -hmm. that did, that spoke to me as well. Cause I feel like a good takeaway from my previous experience to being under different leadership and different bosses, they will express the floors open for an idea, mm -hmm. but they come in as more so I'm the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. And then it makes you take a step back and be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have shared what I wanted to share. Yeah. And that's kind of like their power move, shooting yeah. that loaded gun of being like, nope, I'm actually going to say this and this is what we're doing, which in time and place, sure, yes. there's times to make a definitive decision that's best for whatever. Right. But it's different when you feel like you're trying to share an idea and it's immediately shot down. Yeah. By, I don't know if that's a authoritative measure or what that right. is. But. Well, and I, I think too, like on the receiving end, it's also like constructing, like we yeah. talked about this in a previous episode, you know, when to challenge and when to contribute. Yes. And I think that can be better received as a contribution than just like a challenging with absolutely no, you know, plan in place for what that's going to be. So more, more or less like, I don't like this. Right. And what do you think about this as an alternative idea? Right. And then right. presenting that idea. Mm -hmm. So... I, de I definitely can see it from both perspectives because it's, it, they talk, Todd Henry talks a lot about challenge and how we should be open to challenge. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is a little bit of like, okay, I'm definitely open to challenge, but I don't, I'm not as easy to accept opposition for the sake of opposition. I agree. I find myself getting extremely frustrated and that's yes. something I have to work on too, is when I feel like it's just be, like, there's no why or thoughtfulness mm -hmm. behind what you're presenting. Right. Right. Like, which he talks about that too. He talks about how the why is so important, not just from a vision yes. perspective, but even like at any level, being more thoughtful of why you're doing something and being able to explain it to your team members is really important. So there, yes. and it's more of understanding and inclusive when you include a why. Yes, I agree with that. I'm um, so that was great. When I was writing the blog that will go with this, to me, I also interpreted this as like, I understand that I have a very strong personality and I can change the weather on our team yeah. quickly. Mm -hmm. And 
Sometimes I like to do that, but which is toxic <laughs> and not good. It's not. <laughs> but other times it's like, okay, I know that my personal bad mood can have a really large impact on how our team performs that day. And I should, and all leaders should be like super aware of that power to like change the temperature in the environment mm-hmm. and to realize that just because you're having a bad day does not give you the authority to make everyone else have a bad day. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really great. A key takeaway for me also is this concept of the capacity of your team. If it never scales beyond you, mm-hmm. it will, it will never scale beyond your like abilities. If you don't stop doing the work. Mm-hmm. That, that was, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. That w- that's just something I struggle with and I'm not good at. And I think it is the difference between like a leader in a corporate environment where you feel like you have this big company and there are so many other people that can also like step into lead and do as a, in, in comparison to like a smaller business like ours, where it's like, okay, I get that. But then I also am like, but if I do not have an understanding of at least how to do the work, like for example, if you were to leave Francis Roy and I don't know how to do what you do, mm-hmm. I am totally at the mercy of finding someone so quickly that can do it. I need to still have those skills and be able to do that. So I get this, but then I also hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a very like big gut feeling that that was going to be on your list. <laughs> because I know, because you've always told me the one thing that cannot go and that you're a very, is very important to you is your brain. Yes. And being completely irrelevant and outside the loop and whatever. And yeah, to, to me, I think it is uh, fair and I feel the same way that as much as you have to learn to maybe step back from the tedious, like in the weeds stuff sometimes, right? it is really important. I feel like to be a thoughtful leader, it's kind of hard to be a thoughtful leader if you don't understand anything going on. Like that's yes. a disconnect. You're a disconnect from your employees from them bringing up a topic for you, you're kind of just like, well, actually, I don't really know. I what is Smartsheet? I, and you're like, <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Like, I, mean, I don't know. I And so I agree. I don't think that this is perfect for every size business. Correct. I agree. Every I size organization. Agree. And I don't want to be completely irrelevant. I like doing the work. So yes, I get this. I think there's definitely somewhere I need to detach, not necessarily mm-hmm. detach woefully, but there's a difference between micromanaging a project and having an understanding of how things work. Mm-hmm. I do not want to micromanage. I don't, no one has time to micromanage anything in my personal opinion. Agreed. I hate micromanaging. Never want to do it. What do you have on your, I have so many on my list. I don't want to just. Oh, no, no, no. Definitely keep going. I, I lo- okay. So I love this one. Never violate mm-hmm. your personal ethics in order to achieve a temporal gain. It's not worth it. <laughs> I, and on the flip side, I will say it. this is easier for me because I own this business because I feel mm-hmm. so a part of the DNA here. And it is a part of me that I'm absolutely never going to compromise anything that I consider to be ethical for the cost of doing business. And I, I do think that that is a privilege and a luxury where I would not have in a more structured corporate environment, right? Where I might have to do something that I didn't want to do and then make a decision that, okay, well, if I just like know that I'm going to have to leave this position, like right. I don't have to do that here. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, I, I, I feel like um, uniquely I'm able to like never ask you guys to do anything unethical. Right. You know, it, I don't know. So I, I thought that was huge and seeking counsel was huge. 
Our speaker this morning at Rotary was uh, Bill Mason with Rocket Fuel Coaching. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because we were talking about coaching yesterday. We were. Live coaching. I won't get into what we were saying because (laughs) it's a lot, you know, here and there. But he did mention that if we do have someone to be accountable to, not necessarily a mentor, but somebody that's like, okay, these are your goals and I'm going to make sure that you stay on task with checking these boxes. To me, that, okay, yes, I get that. If you should always have someone that will help you with accountability as you grow as a leader, for sure. Like, I certainly get that. And he talked about his three rocks, which I really liked, which for him were faith and family and people. And I think that looks different for for everyone else. But I did like that whole accountability measure. And I never really think about that in terms of like a business coach. I am a, I would be a horrible business coach client. (laughs) Like transparently, I've tried to go to therapy and I've had therapists tell me I'm combative. Like, so I can only, (laughs) I would never want to do that to anybody, but I can see how having that like accountability Greg really serves as this accountability for me, you know, like, Oh, you said you wanted to do this, you, you know, whatever. So that's kind of nice, but that begs to differ. Identifying the people in your life. Maybe it's not a therapist or a business consultant Mm. or a life coach. Maybe you're perfectly great person for accountability is your partner right or your best friend or you know and that's I know point. maybe that seems a little biased but I think that can work just as fine too I agree so somebody you trust exactly so as an eight and a six not very many people right which leads me that's a perfect segue because in this they talk about trust a lot they do talk about trust okay you 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 go there no and I'm I've got a little section no <laughs> I like this part that says legendary leadership expert Warren Bennis said, trust is the lubrication that makes it possible for organizations to work. And it's very important for you to strive daily to earn the trust of your team. And you'll have moments of failure. But as the people on your team see that you truly have the best interest at heart, as they see your personal motivations more clearly, your effectiveness will grow and you'll begin to see your influence scale in ways you didn't expect. Yes. And I think that's so important. Yeah, I agree. And it meant a lot to me because it made me feel like that rolls into a lot of other things. Like, for example, you and I, transparently, we've had very tough conversations. Right. Where you've been like, Hill, X, Y, and Z, and it may have been really tough for me to hear, but I never wavered on your, the reasoning behind you were doing it for me other than you wanted the best for me. And that's because I've built trust with you, like unwavering trust. Right. That I know that your feedback is from a thoughtful place of wanting right. me to be better or me to succeed. And I, I feel like that's monumental and completely is what dif- is differentiates from any other leader I've had, which I don't even know if they've been leaders, to be honest with you. Mm, Bosses. Nice. Those are Bosses. two different things. Managers and leaders are two different things. <laughs> well, and I, I love that. And, you know, they talk about like the maintaining trust is like through daily actions that are both big and small. Yes. And it's that support piece, I think. But what are the mechanics of how you build trust? And this is something I need to do with newer members on our team, frankly. And I have found myself saying to newer members on our team, just trust me. And I shouldn't have to say that because I should be trying to like build trust, right? But I innately have that built with you and Janae mm-hmm. and Kelsey and mm-hmm. Jody. You know what I mean? And Kayla. And so it's like, okay, I need to t- stop and take the time to build that same amount of trust, you know, right. with, as our team grows and as we have more people, because I can't just rely on you guys to be like my propaganda, you know, team <laughs> be like, Oh, just, just trust you and tell. She's like totally fine. I think if that's something you have to experience 
through one-on-one action. And it does take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It does take a lot of work. It's a lot of work and be a lot daunting. of time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like, I, I remember that too. It's example that's coming to my brain right now. I wish I did, but I have experienced where you'll get feedback from a team member or from somebody and it constantly, I'm, it never ceases to amaze me or surprise. It surprises me. And I don't know why, but it's always the small, tiny things you just didn't even pay attention to that right. someone's noticing being like, wow, just, I wanted to say thank you for that five extra minutes you gave me. And you're like, you yes. care about that? Yeah. And it's like interesting because it's not what you would think it is. You think it's the bigger things that maybe get more attention and really it's like the tiny things. Well, I think too, it's like trusting. It reminds me, there's a quote behind you that mm-hmm. my good buddy from high school, Colonel Paca, it's nice to call him Colonel Paca because I still remember us being like 15. <laughs> I love it. It sounds like we're pretending, but he says you cannot be one person deep in any of your key positions or systems. You must have backup and quarterbacks who can come in and get the job done. When you have depth, you have more efficiency. So I think as leaders too, you know, it is important for us to remember that you don't have to have this kind of like trust build at every single level. Mm -hmm. You're building trust with those people then build trust right. with the people that they bring in. And then that continues. So you have this culture of trust that's important. I love in the book, they talk about the way that one of the ways we can earn trust is by telling stories. And I feel like that's something that we should all here in this agency be innately and uniquely qualified to do. Yes. So we got to do that more. And there's some like great little things. <laughs> we have a team call every uh, week, Thursday at four o'clock central. And there's some great, great questions here that I think are story prompts that we can start talking about as a team and really putting some of this to work. All in all, I really liked this book. It was, it's a great book. I have to say the quote that kind of goes with the big and small, I had marked that and it says, before you can lead big, you must learn to lead small. Your credibility as a leader is founded upon your willingness to do the little things that other people think are beneath them. Oh my God. That's everything, right? But then that goes back to the whole it never scales beyond you kind of thing if you See? don't stop doing the work. See? To me, that is a conflict. <laughs> that is a conflict. You have to be willing to make the coffee. You are never too good to make the coffee. Yes. What the hell, Todd Henry? Which one did we do? Which one is it? Which one is it? So I think it's both. Yeah. I, you know, of course, everything is a balance. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing here which I think is why it has taken me so long to find an executive coordinator mm-hmm. because the thought of um, passing on some of these, you know, things that I do every day to take care of the team. I like to do, I like to be the one to make the coffee. I make the best coffee here. You do. I know. <laughs> so you do. Like, I like being now. There are things I don't remember to do. So that's why we need other help. <laughs> but I just think that there's nothing to the, on Friday afternoons, mm-hmm. I like being here and cleaning up and taking the trash out and <laughs> wiping services down and doing those things because, well, acts of service is a love language for me. So it's mm-hmm. also how I display care oh, in my work environment. I don't know if I've ever known your love language. Not that I would know. I, I think, think I'm maybe, four but. of the five. You're four of the five? <laughs> Which one is like not really a thing? Gifts. Gifts okay. make me cringy. That's my last thing too. That's my last, that's my fifth thing out of the five. When people buy me gifts, like I just can't handle it. First of all, it's very, I'm going to, this is shitty, but it's very rarely the right thing for me. <laughs> so I, because I'm yes. not, I know I'm not easy to buy gifts for. Yeah. Are you not, you're not easy to buy gifts for you. No, I'm but not. But you're good at I'm buying not. gifts. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I try to pay attention if that's someone else's love language, like they prefer getting a gift, then I take a lot of thought. I put a lot of thought into yeah. gifts, but me receiving them, I could, you know, it's, it's here nor there. I'd yeah. much rather you spend time with me and hang yes. out with me. Yeah. I'm a quality time access service yeah. person. So I feel like I feel the quality time first is definitely first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And then acts of service, I'm definitely. And so that's how I express my love for other people. That's why I like to cook meals for other people and things like that. It's definitely like an acts of service thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, being here and taking care of our team is one of the ways that I say I love and I care about our team, right? So I don't know. It's just hard. Which one more thing I do want to talk about because you've mentioned it before Mm -hmm. and you might have mentioned it on another episode, just tinkering in on this. I can't remember, but it is in this book and I do think it's a very interesting topic. Mm -hmm. They, he says, Todd Henry says, your work is not your family. Oh, God, yes. Like, your work people, yes. your employees aren't your family. Yes. And you said it best yesterday. One of FRA's core values is family first. Right. And it's like, as in your own family. Like, Correct. your personal family. Yes. It's very toxic to be like, oh, we're a work family. We're not. Right. And I feel like that's really important, too, because people like to do that. And I get, and he even says, he's like, you can go to lunch with your you know teammates. You can right. do those things. But don't, it, it provides an extra amount of pressure, I guess, of unnecessary, of people feeling like yes. they're, you know. So now I have to disappoint you on a familiar level, like, right. have, what is <laughs> right. it, like a family level, like, yes, no, I, I do agree it's too. Um, and I think it sets a toxic precedent. Mm-hmm. It says that you have to give everything here because we're a family mm-hmm. and you don't. You give what you need to give here to feel fulfilled and to be a great contributor and to be creative, but you give a hundred percent to your family. Now, whatever that looks like, sure. right? Yeah. Family looks different for different people. For me, it's Greg and my kids and you know that I do what I do so that I can be there for them hundred percent. This has not always been perfect for me, but you know, I definitely understand it more at this point in my life, mm. you know, like, yeah. I have been in work cultures where we're like, oh, this is a family, so you need to be here for 12 or 14 hours. Like, that's bullshit. And basically ignore your actual family. Correct. That's baloney. <laughs> and right. Yeah. And it's not healthy. toxic. Yeah. It's super not healthy. Like, get out of there. Yeah. You know? And so, or this is your work family, so it's Christmas. I don't know. I just I just feel like that was, I'm, I'm just wanted you to talk on that like you did just a sec, because I felt like, especially today, the buzzword of cultures going around like yes. a good company culture but it's more than just being like oh we're a family here like that's not the root of some people have shitty family right <laughs> like it's just like, not <laughs> yes you know? you know i think the the idea is that if we embrace our work family that people will put their work first and statistically we've shut we've seen we've read we've researched and shown that when people put their real lives first they're better at work being like, this is a family, so you have to drop your blood here is the surest way to burn your people out. Yeah. And we will end there, I think. Yeah, that was great. This is a great book. It you really guys is. get it. It's good. You can get it all these. I'm sure Todd Henry's like, no, buy full price. Oh, right. <laughs> it on Amazon. Just like, it's a fantastic. really great book. It's a really great book for creative teams or just teams in general. So we hope you check it out and read it. I will say, too, it's a book that I plan to reread. Like, it's definitely plenty of points that you can go back to over and over again to remind you of great stuff so that's a good point Hill. well if you have any questions for us you know the drill email us hello at francisroy.com 
or Hillary at FrancisRoy.com. You're not going to spell that right. So just do hello (laughs) hello. at (laughs) FrancisRoy.com. And uh, we'll be back next Monday. I don't know what we're doing next Monday. I don't either. Tune in for a surprise. (laughs) And we'll be surprised as well. (laughs) Talk to you guys soon.